Hey, Velocity Church, thanks for joining us on our Facebook page this morning. As you know, we're doing things a little bit differently this morning as a response to other uh, requests, both locally and nationally to larger gatherings. And uh, I just wanna let you know that uh, as we are dealing with the coronavirus in our community, that uh, as a leadership team, we've approached this very calmly, very cautiously and carefully as we've considered not just the impact that it might have on our church community, but as our church community as a whole. And so, you know, we wanna be a part of the solutions that are being presented uh, to slow and mitigate the spread of this virus. And so uh, that's a part, part of it this morning. And so we're glad that you're here and joining us. Uh, wanna let you know that we're gonna have uh, just below in the comments, a link for you to follow to Parent Q. It's an app that you can download for your kids. Uh, so that they can have their own uh, teaching that's personalized to them and you guys can uh, share in that time together as a family as well. well one of the things that's uh, kind of funny about doing this sermon series called uh, Building Bridges, or at least the irony uh, to this, is that we're asking everybody to gather together separately in their own homes. And so in times like this, it might seem like building a bridge to someone, reaching out with our faith, uh, seems almost impossible to do at a point in time when we're asking people to distance themselves socially. This actually might be the perfect time to talk about what it looks like to build bridges practically with our faith as we reach out to other people. This is almost, well, this really is an unprecedented time when you have March Madness being canceled, the Masters is being postponed. This is a unique period in time in, in our experience, but it's not really a unique period in time for humanity. This is not the first time that our world has been affected by a pandemic. This is not the first time that Christians have had to, through wisdom and seeking out God's word and godly counsel, have had to decide how their faith response uh, will impact the people themselves and the people around them. Uh, in fact, Martin Luther, a leader of the Protestant Reformation, uh, he wrote a letter specifically in dealing with the Black Death Plague. It, the letter was titled, Whether One May Flee from a Deadly Plague. And this is a section uh, from the, that letter that he writes. I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order to not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor, neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor, nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. And of course, we're not talking about the Black Death Plague. We're talking about the coronavirus. And while it is dangerous for uh, parts of our population, uh, the way that we respond to these types of circumstances as Christians reflects whether or not we are paying attention to the life and teachings of Jesus, how his words and his actions actually 
lead us and guide us in how we respond to life and how we share our faith. The reason that we concern ourselves with building bridges in the first place, concern ourselves with reaching out, uh, extending Jesus to others, is that we're called to regard other people as more important than ourselves. Instead of becoming driven by fear when it comes to other people, whether it's because somebody else has a virus, whether it's because they believe something different than we do, or they live a different lifestyle, or they have different ideas about the world and how it should operate, uh, we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that requires wanting the same good for other people that we want for ourselves and that Jesus wants us to experience. The reason people pay attention to the teachings of Jesus is because of the consistency between the words and the actions of Jesus. And this same consistency is the model and the strategy for us when it comes to how we share our faith and how we reach out to others, how we respond to the world around us, and how we share our experience of faith with God, uh, with our fellow man. When it comes to bridging the gap with the gospel of reconciliation, Jesus models that for us in how he treats other people. In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, a leper comes up to Jesus, implores Jesus, and kneeling says to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus didn't have to touch this man. He could have demanded in fear and anxiety that he get away because Jesus has plenty of things to do, that he can't be infected with this disease himself, or he could have done it at a distance. He didn't need to touch the man for this miracle to be performed. Yet being moved by compassion, he reaches out and touches this man uh, to make him clean. And this doesn't mean just to heal him. He doesn't just make him well. Jesus enables this man to be reunited, reconciled, redeemed back into the community that he had to leave as a result of the sickness and the disease he had experienced. And that's the same picture that we have when it comes to how our sin impacts our life. Our sin separates us from God, it separates us from each other. And so when we reach out with Jesus, when we build bridges uh, to other people, we're saying we're welcome you back in, welcoming you back into the community that God desires for us. The urgency of getting people across the bridge has led to some mess, missteps, and we mentioned that in last week's sermon, which you can check out on our podcast. Uh, but on a very basic level, bridges meet people where they are. There's, there's not like this special thing that you have to cross before you get to the bridge. And, and sure, maybe, uh, maybe there's a gate there, but the gate is on the other side of the bridge. That's where Jesus is uh, when it comes to the bridge that he extends uh, to us. He offers that way to cross over to get to him. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about some real practical steps on what it looks like to share our faith with other people, because sometimes that's where we get stuck. We're not sure, like, hey, is this a matter of just going up and telling somebody that Jesus loves them? Is it just a matter of wearing a shirt or putting a fish on our car or something like that? What are some real things that we can do that impact people's lives? And there's a sister church that outlines what this looks like that I realize it models exactly what I put into practice in my life. It shows exactly what Jesus does when he interacts with people it exactly parallels this and it's an acronym and the acronym is bless b-l-e-s-s -S. Um, and it comes from the understanding that from the very beginning God's original intention that has flowed throughout scripture is to bless humanity 
This starts all the way at the beginning in how he agrees with Abraham, what his impact, his people group, the Israelite nation are going to have on the rest of, of the world. In fact, Paul outlines this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He writes, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so as people who experience God through the way that God blesses us through Jesus, we want to bless other people as well. So start with a B. And B stands for prayer, which uh, doesn't really work, but it, we always have to begin with prayer and plus is not a word. And so that's the first step is that we've got to be intentional about asking God how and who we're called to reach out with our faith to. Uh, this is always the first step really for anything that we do. And so we have to begin with prayer. God, who do you want me to bless? Uh, who do you want, what places do you want me to go uh, to bless those people in? The second one is listen. Uh, I know a lot of times when it, we talk about our faith, we're always concerned about what we're supposed to say. And that's probably a mistake if that's our first step. Uh, what we really need to do is find out where people are. We need to know where the bridge needs to extend to if we're called to meet people where they are, if that's what Jesus models for us. And so we're not called to simply just talk, but we're called to listen to people. We're called to listen to their pain. We're called to listen to their struggles and then react accordingly, very authentically in the way that God has called us to live out our faith through Jesus. Uh, the third one, the third letter is E, uh, and that stands for eat. I know that might sound like cheating uh, because we always want food and meeting somebody for lunch or grabbing coffee with someone might not seem like it's a big step. But in point of fact, this is one of the more powerful things that you can do. When you sit down at a common table with someone, you express some very specific things about how valuable that person is, that you're there willing to meet their needs, that you care that their needs are being met. And so when we sit down with people, when we experience life with them and meet with them on common terms, uh, that are, those are some of the more powerful, transformative places that we can be. Those are where some of the more powerful conversations come up. Those are some more, uh, some uh, places in which the more powerful situations that we express and have to deal with in our life uh, come together. Meal sharing is a key component of Jesus' ministry. He's always eating and going someone to, to someone's house to eat, someone who nobody else thinks that he should be joining, and yet he does that because of what it communicates about that person and how he's willing to extend himself to them. Uh, then S, the first S is serve. If you listen with people and you eat with people, they will tell you how to love them and you'll know how to serve them. And that doesn't mean that they'll like say, this is the way in which I want you to serve me, but it actually requires listening to them so that we know, oh, these are some of the needs that they have in their life. If there's something going on with their family, if there's something going on with their job, whatever the case may be, when we listen, we know how to serve that person in their life, how to speak into their life. Um, people need us to care about them. They're valuable and they're not simply a statistic. Our only limitation in what God desires to see happen in our lives will be how we limit ourselves and how we serve others. 
Um, in John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And Jesus, when he fills him us up uh, through the Holy Spirit, that enables us to pour out to others what we enjoy from God. And then finally, the last S is story. When the time is right, uh, when we've prayed, when we've listened, when we've spent time with and eaten with people, when we've served them, then we will be given the opportunity to share what God has done in our lives through Jesus. We share our experience, we share how Jesus has changed our lives, and we get to make that important impact and share that with other people. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, um, Peter says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Regardless of what's happening in our personal lives, regardless of what's happening in the community and world around us, we're called to be a part of the blessing that God has extended to humanity. And we can do that through any situation. Um, it's really interesting as you look through history, and particularly church history, how Christians have responded to certain things that have happened and how that's changed the perception of others who are not Christians about what Christians are about. In, 2000, in the year 252 AD, um, a devastating plague hit the North African coast um, in the city of Carthage, and healthy people fled in droves, leaving everything behind. But the Carthaginian bishop, Cyprian, drew all the Christians into the center of the very city where they had been persecuted and told them, if we're going to do what Jesus did, so that through his poverty we might become rich, I call you to give personal and financial aid, care, and comfort to all according to their need, not their faith. And that changed things for how people viewed Christians. About a century and a half later, the ancient Mediterranean city of Caesarea had been suffering the effects of famine and war, and a plague struck. And as citizens began fleeing the city, one group was determined to remain, and they were Christians. And Eusebius reports that all day long, Christians tended to the dying, to their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. And Eusebius goes on to state that because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Our mission as a church comes from the Bible and it comes from what Jesus calls us uh, to do and to be and to share as, as followers of him. It's helping people find Jesus and love God. And being a part of building that bridge into our community can happen regardless of what is happening around us. As disciples of Jesus, we're not driven by fear, uh, but instead we always move forward with love for our neighbor. And so I just want to encourage you as we go through this time of, of somewhat uncertainty, uh, just not knowing how this is going to impact our community um, as, a, as a locality and as a congregation. I want to encourage you to seek out ways in which you can build bridges of faith to other people. If you know somebody who's in need during this time, help provide and serve 
whatever that need is for them, provide what they, the solution for that need. If you are unable to get out of your house and get groceries, let us know so we can help you. We've got people who are standing by to assist anyone in need. If you have an elderly neighbor that you know that needs to be checked on, if you know a healthcare provider that could use somebody serving them, maybe mowing their grass, something like that, take the opportunities to be the church, build those bridges and share Jesus with other people. We can always be peacemakers and we can always be bridge builders in our lives.